With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash spoken. That's linkedin.com slash spoken. Terms and conditions apply. After a killer week filled with amazing stories from Darren Starr, Sandy Grushow, Jessica Klein, and Michael Lang, Charles Rosen and Larry Mullen are back talking all things Valerie Malone. Hey, Brandon. She went from Saved by the Bell to Beverly Hills 90210. Along with host Pete Ferrero, they take a deep dive exploring the ups and downs of one of the show's most dynamic characters. And if that's not enough, Carol Potter, a.k.a. Cindy Walsh, will join us to take your questions and weigh in. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Beverly Hills 90210 Show. And go to Beverly Hills 90210 Show.com to watch the show live Wednesday, 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern. Guys, here we are. We're back again. Uh, we've got our crew, and we are so lucky to be joined by Carol Potter this week. Of course, you guys know her as uh, Cindy Walsh. Carol, how are you? How's everything going? Uh, well, I'm I'm surviving. Uh, you know, I live by myself, so I'm just dying for a hug. Yeah. But <laughs> other than that, I'm actually re uh, working on edits for a book I'm writing with a colleague in New Jersey. So it's been kind of perfect. Just having a focused on my work. I think this, this uh, round of edits is going to be done next week and then I can relax a little bit. <laughs> Very cool. Um, we're all excited to talk about Valerie, have our usual suspects uh, in Larry Mullen and Charles Rosen. Larry, how's everything going with you this week? Uh, well, you, know, you know, a lot of the same stuff, but you know, you know, I'm working on something, you know, I'm, I'm you know, I've moved into novels, so I'm in a third novel. So it's, you know, yes. life goes on. And uh, Chuck, what about you, man? How's everything with you? Well, you know, we're doing okay. Uh, had a nice Mother's Day with uh, and and um, happy the uh, the beaches in LA County are open again. Now yeah. we just need some waves and cleaner water, and I'll be cleaner in there. water and yeah. cleaner water and warmer sun. Yes. that would be good too. Yeah, today but I have a wetsuit, so you know. <laughs> really, how about you? How's everything going? How's everything on the on the boards and with the fans and all that stuff? Terrific, terrific. Still plugging away. Very, very cool. All right, listen, guys, before we jump into everything, uh, I want to show you some shirts. We're going to run a little promo, and then I'll talk. show you some new designs, some brand new designs that are just coming out. But here's the promo about the shirts. Hey, Beverly Hills 90210 fans. Stop what you're doing right now and go check out some awesome new t-shirts available at the Beverly Hills 90210 showshop.com. I'd like to exchange an egg. I've made my choice, and I choose me. That's right. Some of the most memorable moments from the TV show are available on your very own t-shirt. Hey guys, don't go away, man. Just go away. You know you want a Ray Pruitt concert tee. How about a Beverly Hills Beach Club member shirt? So go ahead and check out Beverly Hills 90210 showshop.com for everything you need. T-shirts, mugs, tank tops, sweatshirts. You will not be sorry. All right, it's very cool. So now we got to cut. We cut some new ones. All right, you guys are gonna love this one. Yes, <laughs> I was. Always thought, 
it looks like a duck and walks like a duck. <laughs> you. We, got an we have ode. a lot of people that are waiting on that one. We got an ode to uh, to Dylan, right? Uh, welcome to Paradise. Oh, love welcome that. To dream come true. I, I love that one. Fabulous. And then we got a uh, a great Brandon. I don't dance. I don't okay. walk. Yeah. <laughs> I don't thing. foxtrot. I don't boogie. Exactly. <laughs> And then lastly, and this will be great because, uh, Chuck, next week we're going to do a uh, Steve-centric episode. So how about that? The legacy, legacy key. key. Think of the, the legacy key. key. Yes, there was a legacy key. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let's jump into talking about Valerie. Um, hey, listen, guys, I think it's important to note before we even jump into the show that, you know, these guys are talking about stories that happened, what, 30 years ago. So it's the perspective... Uh, many years later. So sometimes when we talk about actors or characters, you know, we're talking about a perspective from a very long time ago. Uh, everybody grows and shapes up, right? Chuck, wouldn't you kind of uh, agree with that assessment? Well, you, you, when you're doing a hit, when you're involved with a TV show, it, and especially one that's all of a sudden is doing 28, 29, 32, 33 episodes a year, what you have is show life. And, uh, you know, you have Larry, Carol, and I, we were adults in a world where there were people who were, you know, were teenagers, effectively, and early 20s, and fake IDs, and whatever else. So, sure. you know, it was a long time ago. I do feel that what our show is of real value to fans, and even beyond fans, is that those first five seasons at least, or maybe even just the, the high school, I don't know, but I think the first five seasons itself, I think you get a really a great sense of what was going on in the 1990s. Oh. I think it, it's one thing to say, oh, this is an iconic show from the 1990s. I think the show reflected values from the 1990s up and down the board. Yes, mm -hmm. absolutely. Uh, so that's a good place to start. So Chuck, why don't you jump us in about uh, Valerie Malone? I'm always also sort of fascinated uh, as we talk about the character development of the, where the name even comes from. Uh, why don't you sort of set up how Valerie is going to come to 90210? She's going to come through 90210 for Mr. Spelling's office. <laughs> Um, <laughs> the, there were two things that Aaron, well, I should say there were three things in doing this television show that Aaron really uh, cared about. One was casting, one was wardrobe, and the thing he cared about most, of course, was Tori. Those were the, the highlights of, of his interest. So casting was something that, you know, it was like we would... Uh, uh, give him tell uh, through a man. His head of casting was a man named Tony Shepard, and Tony, we would cast, he'd be in all the casting. And once we, uh, even before the offers went out, uh, final offers, I guess, um, he would approve or not approve. I only remember one time he overruled, but this was his domain, and so the question was, we tried to always make it work. So when I was told, um, Pretty much that the, the 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 fit. If this was a horse race, the fix was in and meet you know Tiffany then Amber Thiessen. Um, that was I, I you I know you've asked and I don't know even know if Larry remembers this. I I guess somebody else auditioned for the part for the network, yeah. but I'm not a hundred percent sure about that. I'll <laughs> tell you, a couple of things happened. One was they put an offer right away to Lisa Milano. She turned it down. Wow. Yeah. Um, then later on, she would get charmed, but she turned him down for, for this. 
you and learn then, something new every day. Then we had uh, we had a <laughs> short list. We had a short list, and I only remember the other the other girl who didn't get the part. And I only remember that because I was at a wedding at her father Chaim Saban's castle. Her name was Heidi, whatever the, the name she used as an acting name. She was very good, but we just you know Tiffany. Had they, you know, we always viewed, not to be cruel, but we viewed Saved by the Bell a little bit like the minor league. That was our minor league team. Sure. Bring Tiffany up and and play with that and do what we did. So that she seemed yeah, like that. And plus, we were so glad. We thought Brian would love it. Right. So there's a lot to unpack here. Uh, yes, uh, Jennifer asked, was that Alyssa Milano? In case we couldn't hear, yes, that's what he said, Alyssa Milano. Yes, I said Alyssa Milano. That's correct. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I was so far out of it. I, like Larry, um, uh, remember that, um, you know, oh, she goes out with with Brian Austin Green. I said, oh, great, you'll be part of the family because let's let's face it, you know, this was going into the fifth year. We yeah. were no longer that little show that could. We were no longer low license. We were a hit television show. She's yeah. walking on a stage now. This isn't just with six or seven other actors. It's six or seven other actors that are known all over the world. So it was a, it was a whole different dimension. And, oh, she's going to fit in. She knows she's with Brian. Um, I'm curious. So Brenda's leaving. Is that what sort of creates the need for Valerie? Well, yes, we needed another, yes, with the, absolutely, we wanted another leading uh, lady in our cast. Um, and in the room, and in, and in Brenda's room. And in Brenda's room, absolutely, that was important. Who's going to move into Brenda's room? And we worked back that way. The other thing that I had resisted through high school episodes, which was I didn't really want a quote-unquote bad girl. I was ready for that now. We were in college. We had done one year college, and now we really needed to. And we had no, you know, the fact of the matter is, I often say with 90210 that we did five different television shows each season. And this was the Valerie show each season. You know, it was, uh, um, and, and maybe, you know, goodbye, Brenda. Hello, Valerie. That's really what season five, in a lot of ways, was about integrating her into the uh, ensemble and finding uh, and and exploiting a, a bad girl. as a, And I put that in quotes because I think that by looking at these episodes, I saw something a lot different than something as simplistic as that. Yeah. Um, I'm curious to know if anybody suggests just recasting Brenda. Does that ever come never, up? Never came up. That done in places. Do you mean? Do you mean recasting Brenda at the end of season one or during season uh, <laughs> four or five? Shift is coming. Recaster or something like that. I mean, I can imagine that. That you know, you hear a lot of that stuff that goes on. She has a car crash and comes back with plastic surgery, and <laughs> right. yeah. uh, that would yeah, that would have been if that would have been Aaron's instincts probably about ten years before this. Um, I don't think the fans would have no, taken. Never, no way. Never, yeah. never came up. It, it, it did early on in the show. Um, you know, after uh, surprisingly enough, um, but uh, that didn't go anywhere and wasn't really a serious proposal. We hope she'd come back also. I mean, we tried to keep her alive because there was always the hope she'd come back. She was Carol, part of the Dylan world and Brandon. Yes. Everybody. Carol, for you, um, you have this sort of 
role uh, where you're Cindy and this is your, you know, that you're. And my daughter disappears. Your daughter is disappearing, um, I guess, from two places. As the actor, what is your thoughts on that? And then as the character, because I'm sure you're developing, uh, you know, stuff in your head as the character. Uh, how do you sort of work on some of some of that, that there's this new this new person coming to live in uh well, in, I have to say, I just, I I just, I just went with it. I mean, I didn't really know much of the backstory. So I'm hearing it from here and there and, oh, Brenda's leaving. Oh, there's going to be a new person. So, um, okay. Uh, I was, I was just kind of game for it. And, um, you know, they're very, very different actresses. Um, Shannon is very sort of internal and uh, so she has a, she's like, can be very private in her work. Whereas uh, Tiffany is like out there. So she'd come on and she was a real, Tiffany's a real gal, if you know what I mean. I uh-huh. mean, she, you know, she'd come on with like gangbusters, you know, shaking, hey, hi everybody. And she's, you know, big and she's loud and in some ways more like me. Yeah. <laughs> so, so we really, we hit it off right away. I mean, I didn't have any, trouble adjusting to her it was just had fun every time we had a scene together yeah that's good to hear um and so chuck let's go into that uh we talked a little bit about you know hearing some of the other actresses that were up for it who decides tiffany and then do you know that tiffany is going to be playing this new character or is the character sort of already starting to develop without the actor i think they happen pretty quickly at the at the same time really we knew that we were going to have this, and we, uh, Larry and and myself and and uh, Steve Wasserman and Jessica Klein, we and, and Chip Johansson, we probably put our heads together, I imagine, and and you know, I think Valerie, I like the name Valerie Malone, probably came from Wasserman. You asked that, he liked to name people. Mm-hmm. Um, Buffalo, Buffalo, I think maybe I don't know where that came from, maybe. We yeah, something that was even Minnesota. colder than Minnesota, I think. Chuck, I think we did write some sides, though, for the actresses. We had to write some sides. I remember that before we had even finished the script. Correct. Mm. Correct. And I and I guess it was, you know, I don't think it was. I know it wasn't the last scene with her rolling. We did no. not do that. But it no. probably, you know, and, and that made you know perfect sense to to do that. But it was an it was such a different contrast, and the idea of I've always been a uh, real sucker my whole life for the unreliable mm-hmm. narrator. So mm. you're being told something, and no, that's not the way it is. Well, that's Valerie presented us with a character like that she, because she is such a you know she was from Long Beach, a wonderful family, just had that all American outgoing. Um, beauty that that carol's talking about and personality and uh and and now we're telling her okay you develop now one of the nastiest most duplicitous sexually deprived characters you can find put that in that little package please and that was i think a real acting challenge you know i think it again i have to say i was so impressed with her work i mean it's fantastic i mean it was pretty good stuff Oh yeah, I mean she's just a. Well, she brought a maturity to the set, really. I mean, I, I think because of probably because of her experience on uh, Saved by the Bell. I mean, she was one of the more grounded members of the cast at that time, as I recall. 
and 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 the fun thing for me was, of course, Cindy just sees this lovely fun side of her and what a nice, sweet girl she is. So I never had to deal with the, you know, her kind of evil, evil other other uh, alter ego. Yeah, right, sure. because this is the time in, in the first seven that we keep talking about, which is uh, what I did on my summer vacation, which Larry and I wrote, and then uh, who's zooming who when uh, the which Karen wrote by Karen Rosen, and the whole thing uh, of her duplicity comes out. But yeah. I'm looking at you, Carol, in those seven uh, in those seven episodes, and it's so because every yeah. time she's telling a whopper or a lie, I'm just going to go out. I'm just going to do this. You would react, you just, you know, like, oh, okay. And you would manage to just get yourself out of the camera so quickly so you didn't really have to react to her, you know, lie to even weigh in, like, oh, is that true? You know, you, you never, never looked like that, you know? It just was, you were just so happy to have someone in Brenda's room and also, you know, your nurturing side with, this was a, a child you grew up with and had a, a, a friend or a close friend who uh, was, killed himself yeah her father yeah so where does that develop from when you're developing well, we're trying to create a broken character we we're trying to create a you know someone on the on the top who looks totally normal but really is broken inside so mm. we have that trauma to deal with and that's the, the the that gives us the the thrust to get her out of buffalo into the walsh house in a believable way she needed to change the scenery Right. For the fans, remember that we're doing so many episodes, we're just trying to find material. So if she's all whole and everything's great, we've got nothing to do with her. Yeah. But yeah. now to say, oh, well, she had this terrible thing. And in one of the early episodes, not the one that, that second or third episode, or third or fourth episode, where she uh, um, it was with Dylan at one point and they compare notes about, yeah. you know, my father yeah, killed himself father. in the bathroom and yours blew up in a car. You know, it was, you know, I'll, I'll meet your tragedy and raise you one. Uh, in that regard. And of course, that was the fount of of Cindy's compassion, right? I mean, whatever she did do that I noticed was like, oh, the poor girl. Yeah. I mean, of course, she's she's so, she's hurting inside. So it, it gave me free access to like forgive everything as well. I mean, that served us well. We were able to always keep going back and mining that, you know, I mean, we think mm -hmm. we brought the mother back at one point and you know, when the the father abused her, and that's why he killed himself. That was never an intention, but it, it became handy at, at one point. It, it came up, kept on giving, huh, guys? Is that where you guys intended to go with the storyline? Because this is actually one of the fan questions that her father killed himself. Because later on in season nine, it's revealed that she actually killed him. Right? Is that something that they just threw in there at season yeah. nine? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there was a season nine. I forgot about that. Yeah, right. All right. Um, I don't think that you I know in season five we never planned to reveal the molestation. That was something you guys worked out. Why? Yeah. Because they needed material. Right. I mean it was a good great we kind of shifted very nicely, Larry. So kudos to you guys for moving moving that storyline along. I think that was a good way to go. Um, now, is there things that Aaron wants with her? Uh, you know, now that he's in, got the person that he wants involved in this, is there things that he's looking for out of this character that you now have to answer to? Or even at the network, are there things that they're looking for uh, that you now have to add to this? Now, remember me saying that every season was different. Yes. And season five was a uh, the season not just where we became a more sophisticated 
college show or 20-something show, but also it was when a network became much more sophisticated. Coming into the fifth season, they bought viewing rights for the NFL. They did not have that. And what happened as a result of that is many of they spent a lot of money on that. Uh, and many of the affiliates who really were in a football-centric universe uh, who, and who were CBS affiliates because Fox bought into the CBS football package. So a lot of CBS affiliates switched to Fox. So we immediately had better rating. We had better wow. station group. And you yeah. remember back when we were when we had Sandy and Darren here and we we're talking about some of the woes uh, that happened after Brenda's at, at the at the dance. Well, it was because of the station group. They were, you know, it, were, were a little not like a, what we you'd expect maybe a Hollywood or New York corporate media organization to be like mm -hmm. in, in a situation. They didn't react as such. Now we had that. Mm -hmm. So, and also Aaron had shows on the air everywhere now. When I started, no shows. Then there were two shows, Melrose and Us. And then how yeah. he grew. He was Mr. Spelling in his 70s, was hot mm -hmm. again as a producer. And he was so busy that he just figured these yeah. guys know what they're doing. And yeah. I think the network, we, we had a really fine executive at that point um, named Jonathan Littman. Jonathan Littman. And uh, Littman came in on the, right around the time of the summer episodes, um, Jonathan went on to become Jerry Bruckheimer's partner. Wow. So if you think that uh, CFI, CSI was, uh, it was your cup of tea, he was the one, uh, you know, getting it out of the tea bags and putting it. The, 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 he did that. He was a really good executive. He was. And uh, he, also was very good in the development, letting us go. So season five, we had very little conflict. We had conflict in high school. And also we didn't have much in season four. The conflict in season four had to do with them being scared about our ratings. Right. Once we proved that was not important anymore, season five, they left us alone pretty much. They did. I'm amazed how sexy it is. I mean, how everyone, I mean, just some of the stuff with uh, Tiffany is pretty crazy. We're going to get into that. Chase wants to know, Didn't was Drew Barrymore considered for this part? Not for this part. She was a, that was about two years before. Yeah. And and once, you know, we said, well, hey, that might be interested. Mr. Spelling already cast her in that, was it Malibu Road, was it called, or something? Malibu Shores. Malibu Shores, yeah. Yeah. That was just down the road from Malibu Road. Magda says there was a lot of Valerie at her high school. <laughs> Uh, very funny. Um, okay, so uh, you start developing this character, and what are some of the initial things you guys are talking about? Well, we know she's going to live in Brenda's room. Yeah, we know she's going to live in Brenda's room. We're going to see her in her underwear. We know that. She's going to. She's the outsider who's going to have contempt for everybody because uh, they're the coastal elites, and she's kind of uh, from Buffalo, and they all think he shot shit, and she's. You know, kind of work them. She's all at work. Yeah. Was that a big deal then? I mean, it's so funny. We think about pot being such a big deal in that time period. Um, now it's legal, whatever, you know. But in that era, was that a big deal for you guys to to do pot on television? One, two, three strikes, you're in jail for the rest of your life. That yeah. was the 90s. That's where we were that point of time. Uh, it was a very much the... Uh, Drug enforcement had a had was 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 operative, um, and so it was. Uh, so this was a 
generation that drank. There really wasn't that much, you know, uh, they weren't a pothead generation. That came a little later. Uh, some of our, our, our actors, you know, that's what they would do to wind down, but it wasn't, it, you know, the network didn't want any of that. They, they uh, you know, they, that was not something that they wanted to glorify. In fact, for the fans here, when you go back, if you look at this episode and you notice that she's now talking on the phone and she's rolling the joint, how quickly the flame goes out. Didn't we have that go on for four seconds? We actually saw her inhale, and I'm not sure we saw her blow it out. I forget what it was, but we just, you know, uh, and, and Standards wants that, and you look at it and you go, well, we understand uh, that what, what we want to accomplish is accomplished whether it goes on for three seconds or a second and a half. So it didn't make much difference to me or, or Larry. Yeah. Is it true that Tiffany had a stunt double to roll that joint because she didn't know how a hand stunt double? I read yeah. somewhere. There was a hand double. I, I'm not sure if, if we actually see it's Tiffany's hand, but I know we hired a, 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 a joint roller on set. A joint roller. Yeah. I thought it just came out of, gee, I thought it always came out of the makeup department. <laughs> it probably came out of our I own. have to say, it was one of my goals uh, when I got out of college. I figured I'd... I'd in order to be an independent woman, I needed to be able to roll my own joints. There you go. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> and I would say something. Carol Potter sitting here, you're thinking of an actress. Carol, tell them what college you went to. <laughs> Harvard. Actually, yeah. Radcliffe then. It was Radcliffe. It was called Radcliffe at the time, yes. Wow. But, I, you know, I have a Harvard degree, and eventually they had uh, sex-blind admissions. So now they there's no... There's no uh, quota for women at all. It's been that way since probably the late 70s. That's, a, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, Larry, I'm going to ask you about... Four to one in the undergraduate and nine to one if you counted all the graduate schools. Male to female. So Very cool. A uh, very fertile field, let me tell you. Anyone <laughs> <laughs> at all. <laughs> Uh, Larry, let me ask you now. Uh, I want to ask you about the avocado heads. Uh, you mentioned this uh, last, I think, well, last show that we did. Uh, you know, Valerie gets on the phone and she says these people are all avocado heads. Where does that come from for you? I, in the eighties, I executive produced fifty-two episodes of the New Gidget, and that came out of the the Gidget world, where uh, you know we we you know it was just part of the colorful language of avocado heads. We called people who were stupid Californians, right? <laughs> and, uh, seemed to work. And as a native Californian, I don't take any fucking offense at that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, the fruits and the nuts thing was over, so the avocado heads was perfect. Well, it, didn't we also refer to L.A. as the big avocado, like New York's Big Apple? Well, um, I well remember the, big orange. Orange, the big avocado, the big, orange. big traffic jam, orange, but yeah, a lot of things. So there's a lot of things to plot out here with Val. Um, first of all, you got the thing where Brenda's gone, but you have to sort of reference her in some of these episodes because it's a. Sh I mean, it's sort of a shock that the one of the lead characters is no longer going to be on on the show. So is that conscious that you guys are like, well, let's mention Brenda here, let's mention Brenda here, where we're constantly getting updates about Brenda. I think at one point Valerie's going through Brenda's stuff. 
Um, so what is what are some of the thoughts about that, Chuck? Because I know you had mentioned a couple of times that you know you had big research and they and you found out that people liked to hear about old characters and mm. stuff like that. Does that play into all of this? It that plays into it as exactly, Peter, what you just described, you know, that that we all had that everybody had histories together and the audience had seen these histories and wanted to be uh, brought up to it. But also the second you you bring up in the episode, uh, I think it was the third one of, of our season, that um, where she's out in the garage and uh, ostensibly looking, telling Carol that she's looking for uh, one of uh, a college paper, Brenda, but she's really going through her stuff and, you know, mm -hmm. learns about this, sees her with Dylan, doesn't know it's Dylan McKay, doesn't know it's Jack McKay, you know, and, and kind of weasels her way into it. Okay, that's a plot point. Yeah. You know, so... Brenda's there for that. Uh, so, you know, you, um, but but it was always in our interest just to, Brenda was a huge part of these characters. And, uh, have, you know, so you could see easily, you know, Donna turning to Kelly. Have you seen, you know, have you heard from Brenda? It just is a line of dialogue and passing because we wanted to keep the show. I mean, I feel our audience always knew we were a TV show. Yes. We were making a TV show. But at the same time, you wanted to do it with as much, is a good word. Verisimilitude as possible. Yeah. A Harvard word. I love that. Um, and Larry, Harvard what's, what's your perspective on that? Uh, what you, because you, I know later on you would mention her even, some of the characters even further. Well, I mean, first of all, she was, you know, we could always, you know, you always miss the one you can't see. So we certainly, uh, we could torture Dylan with that a lot. And, uh, and that gets thrown in Valerie's face. I, you know, watching these first seven episodes with Valerie, uh, you know, she's fighting against that all the time, the shadow of Brenda, uh, which I thought really worked well. I mean, and but but ultimately, we really did hope to get her back because she's part of the Walsh family. And, and there was an end game for everybody. And, you know, she was so much a part of it. But... Um, so just on that note, Larry. The thing was we needed someone in that bedroom. And and God bless her. She looked great in that bedroom. <laughs> on that note, Larry, you said that a couple times that you guys wanted to get Brenda back. Um, was it sort of the hope that, listen, you know, let this blow over over a year or so and then kind of revisit this conversation and see if there's a way we can all play nice together? Was that something that was a hope? Was, of course. Yeah, it was It was similar to should, should uh, Donald lose her virginity, which would happen all the time, like uh, biannually. <laughs> uh, you know, is it time yet? Is it time yet? Is it time yet? That's the season six and seven. We never even thought about her, her getting deflowered. In, right. In that's a whole, I think that's a whole other episode. Uh, Absolutely. But it just never came up. Um, uh, one thing that's interesting, before we get too far afield, there's one story that uh, I think I should share, but without yeah. naming names. So I think it was probably about the third, second or third day that uh, we're into this episode. And I'm out there for other business, casting or a production meeting. I, I forget why. And an actor of, uh, comes up and uh, says, who's the first and then another one, that they're not sure that Tiffany has the chops. Mm, here we go. And I heard the same thing from the network after the – because now part of it, 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 and Carol, I think you might remember, we always used to board our shows a certain way. We like to start episodes with either Andrea or Jim and Cindy. 
because mm-hmm. we knew they'd be prepared. They would come to the, they would know what to do. They wouldn't, you know, what they wouldn't show up on the set going, what episode is this? What, what are we doing? You know, which, which, uh, we, we know that, uh, that we heard that conversation many times in the first four year seasons. Didn't hear it in the fifth season with Val at all. But there was this sheet, the first scenes that she played were very perky. Right. She wasn't playing the bad. I think that was one of the last things we shot in that episode, perhaps. Or that was a second or third day. So I think that calmed down the nerves. But in thinking about it, you know, you cannot minimize. And, you know, we don't, Tiffany is not here. This isn't, you know, she's got a a life with her children in this. And she's not, not involved with this. And because she was in the show so much after myself, she's more, you know, has, has a different perspective than I might at the time. But I think she felt she had really something to prove. Yeah. And because, you know, I, I'm sure, you know, the vibe that, that's being felt, I am going into Brenda Walsh's room. So what am I going to do? And I noticed that some of the things that we that toughened her up came in the in the script and, and probably one that that uh, of the seven that that really is great. Uh, to, to review, to see again, is the scenes with her and Dylan in the pool hall. Yes. Um, she shows up in that pool hall and she is a femme fatale out of a bet noir movie. Yep. You know, kind of a, you know, post-war tough gal, a gal like like Carol was saying. And, yeah. you know, she, she pulled that off. And then the next time she goes back, she's wearing a little blue jean jacket. It's even mm-hmm. more so. And you know, has lines uh, like, uh, I want a man to ache for me. Yes. Uh, another one that came, She, you know, that one, uh, you know, really stood out. There were a couple yeah. of lines. That, you know, and then she blows him off. Glory has enough. He's, she says to him, he says, I'm aching. He says, no. She says, you're not aching enough. And she leaves him. Yeah. It's kind of cool. Oh. I have to say the writing was really good, Chuck. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you know, it really holding up. I really think it's holding up. Um, when you were, when you were, uh, before, when that actor says that to you, what is your, what is your reaction to that? Like, how do you handle a comment like that? Uh, like you would, like any CEO of a company would would be doing, or you know, which is what I was. I would, middle, you know, management for Mister Spelling. I'll take it under advisement. I'll look at it. I there's nothing. There was not going to be any call to to Aaron. It wasn't to me. I hadn't noticed it. Um, I'd seen the first day of dailies, and I and I knew I was looking at somebody different than than Shannon. Right. But uh, it it didn't resonate. And and I think that the episodes that she did first of all in the pool hall, and then her just her willingness to not be that girl on um saved by the bell right but really get horizontal with 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 dylan and enjoy um you know uh sex without guilt right and that's what you know and that's what she projects and it's like as i said well where did this come from but it 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 was it was really compelling and it's very i think it's the the ep- stuff that she did with dylan in this i i i said before once that you know, Dylan and Jenny in the pool up in uh, uh, at the Bellage Hotel, one of the sexiest scenes we ever did. Definitely. Just do, no, I think they just stand apart from every all of the yeah. others in terms of the kind of uh, 
a passion, young passion that gets communicated. Uh, now, are you, are you playing off the Save by the Bell character initially? You know, no. the cute, no. no, like the cuteness, and because no. we don't know that she's going to be that way. But I mean, maybe that's where that's coming from. Some of that. No, my relationship with it, it was just you know her being the, a girl coming here and a little yes. fractured and trying to fit in. Um, my relationship with uh, with Saved by the Bell is uh, in my conversations with Peter Engel uh, that started right about after the second season. Peter, why are you doing all of our storylines? Mm -hmm. And we moved to college. This guy's moved to college. They go to California University. Peter, why are you following us here? <laughs> and Peter Engel was one of the really uh, this terrific guys. Television was a much more collegial business in the 80s and 90s. And Peter was kind of part of that. And he was like shameless and successful. And he just said, well, it works for you. It's going to work for me. And, and never, uh, <laughs> so never got mad at him. I mean, because we were really playing in different sandboxes. It was Saturday morning and we were prime time. Well, you shared the same beach club, so you kind of were playing in the same sandbox. Oh, let me, uh, let me uh, show a clip here for Carol. Let's see if this works. That's not what I had in mind. But he was so drunk, I don't think he remembered in the morning. Please, you have to believe me. Of course we believe you, Valerie. This news is just such a shock. I'm sorry, honey. Try not to be home too late. All right. So you're you're you know, do you remember do you remember these scenes when you see when you re replay them when they replay <laughs> It's it's like a huge blank area. <laughs> Five years all melded together. I mean sometimes I look and go, when did I cut my hair? <laughs> um you know, I guess what I'm asking though is I mean but From I think you see that I, you know, it's a, of course I believe you because I have compassion for her. I mean, I just, I remember that impulse, which is she's suffered this terrible thing. I'm going to accept whatever she does with compassion and love because I know how much she's hurting inside. And I have no idea of what she's doing yeah. uh, that I can see. And no. I never suspected. I don't think I ever suspected. I think that, that you know, it was interesting. I mean, this is the episode um, where it's revealed that Dylan has got these uh, yeah. problems, and and Jim Walsh comes to talk to him, and all of that. Mm -hmm. And um, it is, you know, one of the things that was consistent in the character of Cindy Walsh is her affection and compassion for Dylan McKay. From start to finish, I mean, you know, uh, one of the big episodes in this arc that we're gonna that we do with with uh, Dylan is intervention, and in their house and this, and I think everyone intervened, but you you know the Walshes gave a lot, and Jim was always given the nature of the finances and everything, he was always ready just to, you know, cut him loose and don't be with Brenda, and and I think Carol kind of liked uh, as Cindy liked a lot of the personality and rebel in there because actually you know cindy and jim were rebels in their own way when they were younger totally um for you carol um you know brenda the characters we're talking as cindy now i guess um brenda 
gave you guys a lot of trouble in that previous year. Well, th- really in, throughout most of it, you know, whether it be uh, the, 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 the thing with the pets and, you know, in the, at the school or get, getting arrested and all that stuff was Cindy at this point, And I know we're, we're talking as Cindy at this point, right. was she at this point sort of, even though she was trusting of Valerie, was she because of all the stuff that sort of Brenda had done, and what she had been put through, does Cindy sort of have a little bit of suspicion in, in Val- what Valerie might be up to? Uh, I don't think so. And, and frankly, even though, you know, um, <clears throat> you know, Brenda may have put us through a lot, I don't think I ever lost my trust of her. Um, I, I think I, I, I see, saw it as you know, she's struggling, so she's acting out in this way or that way. And, you know, it's my job to be as understanding as I can be. And that that's, that's, that's what's going to help her come to terms with whatever's going on with her if, is if I, you know, I'm, I'm loving and, and compassionate. And, you know, and I think my basic, you know, sort of Midwestern trust in people doesn't, doesn't really uh, change that much. Mm. Question. Do you think that uh, Brenda's treatment from her parents were a bit harsher than the way Brandon was treated? Um, do you think there was a double standard? Well, I have one story about Brandon. He totals his car, and in the next episode, he's driving my car. <laughs> and I thought, never. That would never that, happen. That that's, was uh, one of the really, that's an interesting story in itself. I'll save it for another time. Another that was a low point in our series, I yeah. believe. Uh, when I tried to bring it to everybody's attention, they went, nobody's paying attention. That's how the network thought about our show. Wow. Yeah. Uh, well, I don't, care what, said. I don't <laughs> care what you said, Sandy. <laughs> so, so yes, I'm sure that, that, uh, my son got away with a lot more than my daughter did. <laughs> right. Well, you know, here's the here's the interesting thing. I was going to jump in. We when I was I don't know how this affected you, Larry. If we ever even articulated this when when you you came into it, but I always saw that Brandon and and Cindy had this virtually the same personality, and and Jim and Brent and Brenda were much more volatile. Oh, yeah, much more inside. I think here's Jim. We see his temper. We see his ambition. We see all of this stuff. He's an accountant. So he's not able to be the anti-war leader or the Brandon running for president or whatever it would be. And and you see, you know, he has a little more temper and, and was written as such and also displayed it. So yeah. I always, after that point, in fact, after into that early summer episodes, I always lodge that, that these mm. two were closer and the other two were closer. Mm. Now Never. you tell me. Well, <laughs> now here's the other mystery as far as I'm concerned. I have a theory about it, but I'm curious what you guys say. Jason and I, not only did we never have a storyline together, we never even had a scene together until I came back as a guest star in uh, like season seven. Yeah. And I thought, what is that? Because every teenage boy I know, I'm trying to get out of the sun here. Okay. Every teenage boy has a thing with his mother. I mean, there's a whole thing about authority and, you know, wrestling with that. So I was just, 
And I, I just sort of assume. We don't want to give any Oedipal thing, you know, happening, I guess. Yeah, that was yeah. Well, you threw the at him in the father-daughter stories, though, right? I just figured Jason was the number one guy. And so he was always the leader and he couldn't sort of buckle down to his mother. Yeah. What's your thoughts on that, Chuck? Curious. Well, <laughs> Carol and Jim know both know this, um, that, you know, there wasn't, after the first season, there wasn't that big of a push to have as much in the Walsh family firmament. Yes, but we, we still had scenes with Brenda. There were still stories in which Brenda and I were, you know, interacting. And well, Jim, and, yeah. Jim and Brenda. Too, but one, right? of, one of my favorite Cindy moments was when you threw the toaster at him in the pilot. Do you remember that? Yeah. Where's the toaster? Yes. I know. Stuff here. Um, all right. Let's get back to Valerie here. When is it? De- when is it sort of uh, developed that um, Steve is going to be into Valerie, and also, uh, you know, she's going to be playing with Dylan? How did we pick Steve on that, Chuck? Well, Steve was coming off of, if you remember, Steve was coming off of a another, you know, broken, you know, dream romance. Is Celeste, uh, his, the the girl, the woman he took to the prom? Uh, they get back together, and then she finds someone she really loves that from her youth and drops him. So they're not going to be engaged anymore. He real in the front of this episode that Larry and I wrote. Um, uh, you know, he's back, and he realizes that Kelly Taylor is his soulmate, but Kelly, of course, was with Brandon all summer. Right. She mm. didn't know. So he's open for anything. And if you remember, there's that scene, uh, they're all together in the car, or Brandon goes to walk Kelly's car, and, and there's Valerie and Steve, and Valerie says, are you going to kiss me already? I mean, yeah. he was just there, and she wanted to be kissed that moment. You're the guy there. Mm. Uh, and also... You know, she was uh, a status seeker, and hello, this is Samantha uh, Sanders' son, yeah. and who was the, the, the star of the Hartley House, the Mary Tyler Moore character. So he was a warm body, and he was un- unattached at that moment. And, right. You know, we, I mean, we knew the Dylan thing was going to happen, and you know, it, it was just yeah, it was just. And plus, Steve was the per- perfect guy to break his heart again. I mean, and yeah. the, you know, it really is the. Defining, if you look at these seven as one block, when this episode, who's zooming who, when it's discovered by Steve that, and 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 David is in the scene as well, mm-hmm. that, oh, she slept the night here and they actually are together, the whole episode ends with a cold cock. Yeah. It gets smacked, right. it, it blacks out, mm-hmm. it gets hit right across the face. This group is now fractured. Yeah. This woman I mean, is right now. In two months, Valerie has totally wrecked everyone's friendship. <laughs> Fantastic. But before, but before we go there, I just want to say one thing. Uh, and I think you might even have this clip um, of the, um, in the who's zooming who, when uh, Dylan does this whole front line assault on her. I mean, a really just yeah. kind of, you've got instant family and you're in Brenda's bedroom and it's this and this. And, and you know, the way that Luke can rant. Yes, and she goes back, and all of a sudden, we've never seen her in right. tears. I've never seen her in tears. Oh my God, this she's gone, and in a real weird way, says, "What's wrong with that?" Yeah, yeah. And Here's I thought, the my God, this is it's the same one moment. That you told me six weeks ago that didn't have the chops to do a, a scene yeah. like that. Well, guess mm-hmm. what, guys? You guys were all wrong, and yeah. uh, and from there, um, 
you know, yeah. she was a, a vital part of the television show Beverly Hills 90210. Let me show you guys that clip real quick. You don't know how intimidating Jim Walsh can be. Oh, I know exactly how intimidating Jim Walsh can be. What did he do, bully you? What am I supposed to do? I'm living in his house. Hey, stand up to him. I mean, Brynn did. In fact, she got pretty good at there at the old end, you know, standing up to big Jim. You know, the Walshes were really concerned about you. Yeah, well, they cared so much. Tell me this, why was I never good enough for their daughter, huh? At least Brenda had the guts to call him on it. You know, I am not Brenda. I will never be Brenda. Don't talk to me about Brenda. No, you're not Brenda. You're just pretending to be. And I think you like it. I think I think you like living in Brenda's house. You like sleeping in Brenda's bed. You got Brenda's brother and Brenda's parents all there in that nice, cozy little package. Instant family. What's wrong with that? Nothing. I got to tell you, you know, the music cues are just so brilliant about this show. Who gets props for uh, underscoring right in that moment with the tears and the hug? Who is who is that? I know we talk about the music a we lot. We had different composers. Uh, it's hard to say who that one was. But. After a while, uh, truthfully, Peter, and, uh, you know, uh, after a while, when you're when you're part of that group and there was, that was the post the music group and, and uh, Rocky Moriano and... Uh, and, 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 of course, um, Kenny Miller and Steve Wasserman and myself and Dave Semmel, who was our associate producer, we'd all be in the room and you could just tell. And, yeah. and you know, after a while, lift it up here. Kenny was was really good at that. But, um, you know, moreover, I think that what I take away from that moment, too, is that here's Dylan, who is who we have started since the first episode Larry and I did this season, just a real complete downward spiral. Yes. Into himself, sorry for himself. This yes. He looks at her in this scene, and what we, the audience, loved about the soul of Dylan McKay, you know, the sweet guy that yes. is, is down there 50 layers down, all that hurt, he comes out there and they have that moment. Oh, I think so that, beautiful. that to Ooh. me... You could have left that dry and you still would have been as emotionally moved. Very dry true. meaning no music underscore at all. Yeah, I know what you mean. Chuck, who who writes those the, that 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 little bit of dialogue? I think we all Well, uh, I've been sleeping with that woman for about over mm -hmm. 40 years. That's Karen Rosen. And uh wow, very cool. believe me, uh uh this show was very precarious in the first twelve, uh, and uh I wouldn't have got through it without Karen, and that really goes for the, the whole experience and uh, and life itself. Yeah, I mean, that's a beautiful scene. Was it important for you guys at that point um, to say, I'm not Brenda to the audience as well? Not just, you know, not just uh, not just obviously for what she's saying in character. But is was that important for you guys, Chuck? I don't know. Important. You know, one of the things about the about everything involved with this show, every scene, every episode. You have to think of the television show as a is almost like a if I might pronounce this wrong a Rorschach test, where everybody's going to see what they're going to see in the pattern. Some people came to this television show week after week to see what Tori was going to be wearing. Some people came to this week because of the soap opera. Some people came to week, oh it's going to be a funny episode. I you know oh you know this has some you know we're in this dramatic art. Who knows why people came? I well I love the boys. I love. People came for all different reasons. And so, um, 
you know, I don't think specifically in that moment, I don't think, I don't interpret it as I'm not Brenda, so stop comparing me, audience. I'm not Brenda, so don't ever call me that again, Dylan. See, it would have two different, it would have a multiple meanings. And that sure. is, uh, I think that's something, especially in this time, was something we, we tended to use a lot. Do you agree, Larry? I think I think the other thing was is because we were really into their relationship and Tiffany, I mean, uh, Valerie needed to get Brenda out of out of Dylan's head. She, yes. Right now, the shadow of Brenda and the ghost of Brenda is, is, is what's between them. So she's trying to invalidate Brenda. But yeah, yeah I think we, we thought that deeply. We had to do that. I mean, it just it was really. But at the same time, we knew how much that meant when you said those words. They had power to them. Oh, it was big. Let me show you guys another clip, and I want to ask you guys about this, too. Yeah, I bet. You know, when Brandon told me you were hard on new people, I didn't take him seriously enough. You're dangerous. I think it's the other way around. Really. Well, if you like butting in so much, why don't you try it with Dylan? Meaning what? Brandon told me that your ex-boyfriend used to be an AA. So if you care about him at all, maybe you should get off your pedestal and help him. Ooh, God, so good. <laughs> um, love that. So anyway, this begins this sort of rivalry, rivalry between, uh, you know, Valerie and Kelly. Uh, and it's a different side of Kelly that we're not really used to seeing. So where is some of this coming from, Chuck? Um, from the need to have, um, you know, the need to have, have conflict, the need to have characters who, you know, that, that he or she is in the Walsh house and all should be fine. Well, no, all isn't fine. And, and it's right. Her, her criticism of, of Kelly right there is it's absolutely right. Kelly, uh, doesn't really like, uh, is, is, is judgmental. Yes. the fact that we changed her and her, her ways in a lot of ways from what she was in high school to here, she still was very judgmental. And Valerie, you know, Carol, uh, as Cindy, had a reason not to really look too closely. But if you remember, she had uh, knew that, uh, you know, Val had uh, was back in the um, in the back room with uh, with Dylan. And, mm-hmm. you know, she jumped to a conclusion that they were getting it on, which is kind of what right. Yes, but it's a great right around. But she, but you know, it, 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 it's. I mean, Valerie behaves kind of like a sociopath sometimes, and we write her as such. Yeah, we lost Larry there. Hopefully, Larry, he, come back. Yeah, don't, don't, I don't. Wasn't talking about you as the sociopath. <laughs> <laughs> her as a sociopath. Uh, while we have Carol here, let's talk a little bit about your experiences uh, with tiffany and uh you know working with valerie you told me that you said before it was a great experience is there any moments um from your time together that you that you really enjoy and uh scenes I, maybe? I, I think it was right at the you know right in the first maybe couple of episodes she was on i just remember doing a scene with her in the kitchen and we were just having so much fun I yeah. mean, the actors were just having a blast, like tossing the dialogue back and forth and playing with it. I just, you know, it was just always um, welcome back. Larry. Always great to be in a scene with her because she was very alive and she was very in the moment and she was she was very fluid. Yeah, so it was just it was it was it was like a really fun game. 
<laughs> Very awesome. Um, yeah. Great. Loved it. Okay. And oh, yeah. So let's talk about this thing with Brian. She's dating Brian when she comes on to the show. Well, um, I mean, look, uh, you know, like I said, like Chuck, Chuck had said earlier, we, we kind of thought it was going to be a good thing that you're talking about hiring Valerie and what was yeah. going on there. Yeah, so, you know, Valerie's coming to the you show. Know, and you, have to now, you can see what happened. I mean, what we did was we put we put her in bed with uh, Luke Perry. So he <laughs> had to watch that. Uh, how are you finding – how is this going for and, you guys as Ed's and that was, uh, that was tough for him. I, I, I can't it, was very, it was very hard for Brian. And, and um, he – it was pretty clear given – how he was reacting to Tiffany uh, experimenting with uh, her acting as, as much as anything and, and her roles in herself, both being young, that it was unlikely that they could stay together as a couple because this was something that if you're with an actress, that's your actress, you just have to say, not be threatened by these Interactions, it's part of being an actor. It, 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 and um, it was pretty clear to Tiffany by the end that that wasn't ever going to be. It, it caused her a lot of, uh, I, I was, yeah, I think, I think he was, he was, you know, he was hurt and uh, he made her know it. And it was tough for both of them. Yeah, I mean, what a it was tough for the person who had to, it was a tough person who had to Swiss the whole time. Well, that's a lot for someone to walk into. Plus, she's got to—I I hate this phrase—but she has to almost prove herself as an actor with this cast that already exists. Mm -hmm. She goes through that process of proving herself. She's got this relationship with Brian, which is wonderful, and now is probably going through a lot of challenges in that relationship because of her scene partners or whatever whatever it is that's happening. Uh, I can't imagine walking into that fire. Yeah, Carol. Well, the other thing was the other thing was the guys themselves, like guys, they've been working together a lot. And there's there's a, a camaraderie between them, and Brian is the youngest, right? So it's kind of fun to get his goat a little bit. I'm kissing his girlfriend. Look, <laughs> yeah. And uh, there was a little bit of that going on, certainly, and that's infuriating. him. Chuck, do you remember when he called us up? Which week? <laughs> pretty, early, pretty early on, pretty early on, when he found out that she was cast, pretty much right away, and that's when. We oh, went, oh, right from the start. Yes, that caught us by, by um, surprise. Like, oh no! I mean, I, you know, it was it was what Aaron wanted. It was Aaron's cast. Like yeah, I said, I mean, she was good, and we're really happy we this happened. But nonetheless, you got a problem, you know, Bry. Uh, his office is down the hall from mine. That's pretty much what you said, I think, to him. That's what you told me. I, I mean, it wasn't my, you know, not my decision. And certainly, um, you know, no, we didn't have any, you know, awareness of it. But I think, you know, he had trouble when she was kissing Ian in the first episode. Mm. She, he had no idea what we were writing in the room for to happen with, with Dylan. Were Tiffany and Brian already broken up by the time Val and David became a couple during season six? I think yes. so. Yeah. Yes. So they had a they were long, 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 long a couple. We'll get into that at some other point, though. But yeah. I do, I do. Irony. Yeah, yeah. Oh, they wind up. Getting, they wind up. Them, they break up and you make them play together. I think. Oh, but their chemistry cool. was undeniable. Oh well, yeah. yeah, I guess they're actors. They're actors. Make them do exactly. things. Exactly. All right, Lily. What do you've got fan wise? We got questions for Carol. Do we have? I do. I do. 
a couple of the questions for Carol is um, what Cindy Walsh characteristics were most relatable to you? And how do you feel about being one of the most loved TV moms of the 90s? Very nice. Yeah. Oh, well. <laughs> you know, my mother used to refer to me as the Donna Reed of the 90s. <laughs> I took as a great compliment, frankly. Um, it's, it, you know, I'm always just amazed at, at how people relate to this character and what it's uh, meant to, um, to people. I was in a little group. We were at a, a retreat together and, uh, you know, there was a little group outside the kitchen and, and we're all joking and laughing and somebody happened to mention, oh yeah, 90210. And this fellow who's, who has now been, we, we know each other now. It's the second retreat we've been to and we've talked and, you know, he knows me and all of us, he gets this look on his face like, oh my God, that's why you look so familiar. I mean, he literally said, you raised me. Right. And I mean, oh God, how can you not be touched when people have that, you know, reaction to you? So it's, um, it's, it's a kind of a responsibility. And I'm, you know, I got to play the good mom as opposed yeah. to like my friend Annie Gillespie, who like did everything wrong. <laughs> right. That was uh, Kelly's mom. Now an Episcopal priest, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Jennifer says so we love Carol. Carol just, mom. Yeah, because Carol right. just brought that up about uh, about uh, the Episcopal priest. One of the things I really like about our family, and we didn't hit this on the head at all, but every once in a while we'd have an episode, and you'd see them all come back in 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 the high school years, particularly, and they had come back from church, and I would not have known to put that in. And I and I think it improved the character, improved the family dynamic. Carol brought that to my attention. Can't they ever start the scene that way? Do you remember that, Carol? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, we would, and I, you know, I remember when uh, Jim and I came back from, I think it was a, a concert or something, and we come in singing the the Quaker song, "Tis a joy to be simple," and and, and it was just such a nice little touch that to give that quality of, you know, what do we like out there and what we mm -hmm. do in the house and how it resonates with the kind of values we're, we're trying to sort of create in this family. It's not just the parents, but you know, you guys, the way you're writing it, that's the whole. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I mean, you know, knowing this is that built around those kinds of things. Magda says you raised us all mom. So there you go. <laughs> Very sweet. Thank Very you. Very nice. Uh, uh, Lily, you have any other uh, questions for all of us about Valerie? I mean, someone asked a good question, and I think this is probably for more uh, for Larry uh, or well, both of you guys. I mean, there's this whole thing where and I can't find the question now, but somebody asked about Ray and Valerie. There's a there's a moment where Valerie, uh, you know, hooks up with Ray. Where where was that? You guys? I didn't see that one, but I kind yeah. of have one. Well, let, let, let Larry answer that question. Yeah. Well, yeah, that was, uh, you know, look, I mean, you know, like Chuck keeps saying, you know, we had to have a lot of story. So uh, <laughs> you know, I think uh, nothing would drive Donna more than, than, you know, losing Ray. I mean, Valerie worked every character, wherever their weakness was, she moved in there and, and made life uncomfortable for them. So yes. the idea of getting with Ray, I guess it was because of the, the Peach Pit After Dark uh, stuff. Uh, yeah, it just, we, we just knew... Uh, you know, again, 
There was a concept we used to talk about called vertical integration, where you want to turn the characters in on each other rather than bring in outside characters, create the conflict within. And so mm -hmm. we're constantly looking to do that, you know, turning this, this matrix wheel. And that's why I guess in a bad way, when you look at all the people that Kelly Taylor slept with in the group, did she sleep with everybody? Uh, I, I don't so. know. But, uh, it's, you know, it was hard that day. But, uh, yeah, yeah, Ray uh, and, and Valerie, uh, that was a temptation there. Yeah, definitely. Well, one of the I did want to say one thing about Brian, because I, I, I talked about him being the youngest, but in the end, Brian was a chick magnet. He got the best women, of course, in the most beautiful way. <laughs> right. You know, the best revenge is living well. Yeah. A lot of people are quoting this line from the from the episode one of the episodes of Valerie's. He seems kind of dumb, but I bet he gives good credit card. Yeah, who gets that credit for that? Sounds like a Larry Mullen line. Have I ever heard one? <laughs> yeah. I love that. Okay, what yeah. what else do you have, uh, Lily? So I have a Val question and one more for Carol. Sure. I'll start with the Val question. So basically, uh, well, how come David was Valerie's only serious committed relationship? How come we didn't see her actually have something more meaningful with any of the other guys or someone new? Mm. She's incapable. I mean, I just think that was just her, her fatal flaw, really. She was a broken person, really. I think it was I think the stuff with Brian though really worked out well as I remember. I have to revisit those out episodes again. Yeah, it's important to note that this was these this portion of the Val chat was a uh, the early on in the development of the character. So maybe at some other point, Larry, we can do some more Val as you guys took took over and Chuck left. Yeah, I have to. It's good, going, it's good revisiting these things because uh, it really opens it up and you remember what what was important. Yeah. What's your other question for Carol? For Carol, uh, have you kept in touch with anyone since the 90210 days? Are you still in well, touch with um, I, I used to run into Jim quite a bit, actually. We oh, good. Each other at auditions. And we were at a Hollywood, one of the Hollywood convention, um, gosh, about a year and a half ago, and just had a, a great time. But I have to say, doing the reboot was such a delight because they've all grown up. I just... They were all so grounded and adult, and it was just a delight and a pleasure. And and so much appreciation from all of them for, oh, you look fabulous, so thank you so much for doing this. I mean, I, it was just wonderful. Uh, we loved seeing you. Tremendously, really. Um, yeah, we, we loved the uh, re reboot, and we loved what they did with you on it. Yeah, yeah, it, was, yeah, so it was awesome. a lot of fun, I have yeah. to tell you. I had a blast. And we, that scene, I mean, it was 10 in the morning to about 4 or 5 in the afternoon. It was nice stuff. To, it was nice to see everybody back That's together. Because you're in Canada, you know, it just takes a longer stuff. I know. But in, in one of the episodes I was watching, this is not a Val question. This is for Chuck and Larry. Um, my wife will had me ask this question because she uses this line on me from time to time. Uh, Dylan is talking to Jim and he says, must you always start by stating the obvious who says that line? I was when I was watching the episodes, uh, this, this, she has that conversation in the Jim comes to see them at the peach pit and, uh, they, they see each other for the first time and, uh, in, in a while. And then must you, I think that's, I might be a Karen line. Well, you know, it, it, the one thing that I, I'm kind of proud that I was able to do for the whole time that I did the show, we didn't go over, that's my line, that's your line, that's right. this and this. It was our line. I mean, 
that could have been the whoever's credited in that episode could have been their line. It could yeah. have been one of the other rewriters. We we structured it that that you know there was a lot of latitude with the original writer to do what once they got past story to do what they wanted, and then you know you'd get notes, but also you know this was I had the privilege of being the final typewriter, as it were, back then. And 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 so, you know, let's do better on this scene, make this fuller, richer, deeper, things like that. I don't know what, in the end, how it came out because all the scripts, you know, some better than others, but they're all my children, as it was. Oh, that's nice. Hey, Chuck, I, I love that talk about Chuck's notes. Chuck would write, uh, like what he said, it would sometimes the worst thing you'd see on the script would be NSG, not so good. <laughs> or, or the, other one one that, the other thing you also have initial frd fuller richard deeper fuller richard deeper or, and the other or, one uh, that heighten, i always heighten the dialogue heighten the dialogue to heighten it up why well, you never got that but you know who used to um <laughs> the the uh but the fact is is that is the other um that, that Glenn Karen actually wrote on my first script that I got produced for this old TV show, Breaking Away. Dubby, and I've used it for years. And it's and my daughter, who is a working writer in Hollywood, her loan out company is WCDB Inc., which is something I used to write on her thing sometimes, which is, on, and usually about dialogue, but we can do better. Yeah, yeah. We can do better. <laughs> Carol, when you look back on the show all these years later, one, are you surprised by by how much it's you know grown and that it's still so relevant? Do you look back on the episodes and say, "Wow, it still holds up"? Well, you know, I, I'm not surprised that it's still relevant because I think that they were really, you know, um, mining the heart of the American teenager, really, and they have the same struggles today that kids had in the 90s. I mean, you know, some of the, the context may be a little different, but it's still the same issue. Sex, drugs, how do we deal with our friends? And it's, it's a great opportunity, I think, for parents to watch with their kids. And you talk about all that same stuff, but you don't have to say, what are you doing? You can say, well, what do you think of what Brenda just did? Or what do you think about the way Val is, is operating? And is she a good friend? And what do you think about, you know, Dylan and um, and Kelly? And so you ha can have all the conversations you need to have about, you know, helping them walk through this treacherous time. I mean, adolescence in this country, at least, is just it's kind of a nightmare for kids. And it, I don't think it's gotten any easier. In fact, it's probably gotten harder with mm. social oh, media. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure we would have done we would have done stuff of people getting um, uh, trolled on social media and stuff. And it you know wasn't a thing then. Cyberbullying. Yeah. But the same, but it's the same struggles and it's this it's the same heartaches. So yeah, I think it's completely relevant, and it also may have a certain sort of nostalgia for kids today as. Wow, it, you know, things were a little simpler then, you know, yeah. you didn't have to worry about your social media presence or, you know. Right. I got right. a wonderful um, uh, letter from a, a couple in Australia who had grown up watching the show and they just loved it. And they were now married and they had uh, like three girls and they come across the first scene in uh, the first um, the first season on DVD and they're going, oh, wow, we can 
we can watch this. They ended up watching all 10 seasons with their children, right? And going through that experience as a family. And I think it really bonded them um, that they, they really appreciated it. And I think that's why it's, is still very, very relevant. If even, sorry, the fashions, every time I see what I wore, I just grinned with the shoulders. <laughs> remember, Carol, Carol, remember what I said, casting uh, and wardrobe, not my thing. Very <laughs> much of the period, Chuck. I mean, I was a total, I was totally- well, Those high-waisted blue jeans on women were, yeah, the high waisted I mean, I blue see myself in candid shots, you know, in other situations, and I go, "What was I thinking?" Uh, but high waisted jeans are in again, okay? <laughs> oh but, my lord! For Chuck oh, and Larry, uh, when you guys look back on this uh, all these years later, and the performance that Valerie gave, and I'll, I'll and Carol, you can weigh in in this town now. A uh, young actor jumps into a new role. What are your thoughts looking back on it all these years later, Larry? Let's go with you. I mean, I, I was just amazed, you know, she's playing this two-faced character. And, you know, I mean, I, like I said, I, I felt good about our writing, the whole, you know, the, the staff, the level of it and the intricacies of it. But I, I just thought her approach to it just brought so much energy. I mean, she she killed it, really. I mean, she had to replace Brenda. I mean, Shannon Doherty, Brenda. And you never you never missed her. It was just there was something always going on. There was such so much agenda uh, jumping from her and. You just could see it all one one leap to, you know, she just was making her moves to get to Dylan. It was really pretty uh, exciting. Yeah. So for you, Chuck, what do you think? Well, I think that we, you know, with the character of Valerie Trufalu, that we just pretty much scratched the surface because even in just season five, because once she gets money in her pocket and uh, from mm -hmm. helping Dylan down in Mexico, she becomes a completely she she doesn't really care what Jim and Cindy think anymore. She doesn't really care what anybody thinks. She thinks that money can buy her love. Yeah. A very buffalo thing. And <laughs> it's uh um, you know, and, and has to learn that that in fact it's more complicated. I also think that she, by the end of the season, really was ushering maybe three to four by the end with stuff with Ray and other things going on and her tips with, with, with Kelly. I think she really ushered in the fact that at least for me, who always thought I was doing a serialized drama, drama, dramedy, really in some yeah. ways. Um, oh no, no, we're doing a soap opera. Hmm. It was hmm. a different, you could see that just in, in the stories we laid out. We, we always used to have a template, a big episode, if you think about the one about the real world, right. a lot of stuff going on in that episode, but we had something for them to do in it. Going to yeah. the Rolling Stones, they had something to do as a group or as the keg party is something. And when the last three or four, we didn't have that. It was just was, you're, you're being a bitch, you're being a bitch. You know, it was different. <laughs> and she really did that very well, too. Yes. And, um, and obviously, because she stayed with this show for so long, she was a vital part of the tone oh, and, and obviously adjusted her whole performances to be that. Uh, Wendy says she loves watching 90210. She's still watching it now uh, with her, her family. So thanks Wendy. That's very, very good. Holly says that Val always had me hook. I could never stop watching. Mm -hmm. uh, very, very nice compliments there. Um, and we'll see. We got one more here. Uh, Karen says I started watching 90210 in my thirties and I'm 59. I love to watch it every day. It's the best show ever. So, 
Thank you. Well, well now, thanks, Karen. You know, that was a big thing. This was uh, that you started in your 30s, and uh, we worked really hard to make it a show that could appeal to a person in their 30s, not just because they were the parent, right. but because of the culture itself that they yeah. could remember. Well, I remember uh, and, teenagers and, and 30-somethings that seemed to be our strongest uh, demographics at that oh, time. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I think we kind of wrapped with well, the first portion of Valerie. Like you said, Chuck, I think we could do a whole other part two of Valerie Malone with maybe with you guys down the line. Uh, but next week, we are going to visit a Steve-centric episode. We're going to hit crunch time. Uh, we're going to do a deep dive into uh, what Steve getting, you know, kick, like almost kicked out of the the uh, egg house. Oh, egg wow. house. oh, oh my god! Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of moving. There was no, there was no behind the scenes drama in the writers' room with that one, was there, Larry? <laughs> I was, yeah, you have to tell me off thing was it? I, I, I'm having trouble. Was this um, I outing the fraternity president? Oh. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, but it was late. Was that the one that we had to recast the uh, fraternity present? Let's. Uh -huh. let's oh God, boy, you guys are you're giving some good little. Yeah. Well, we don't want to hurt that actor. I don't think we're not going to. Oh, I'm telling you that he's a big actor now. He's a big well, actor. Big all guys. his career. Uh, okay. Yeah. We'll right. save that for next week, though. I want to. Yeah. I want to dive in, we'll but wow, they just gave you some tidbits there of what you've got to come uh, to look forward to. Uh, right. Carol, listen, I'm all about gratitude these days. I just want to tell you, uh, I think the, think the world of you. Uh, you, you know, we all have everybody that's watching this feed now or listening to it whenever they're listening to it. We all identify with yeah. you uh, in a very, very uh, powerful way. Um, I think like the the sentiment that everybody is saying that you're the mom or. Uh, it's a very powerful thing uh, to to have been in, and um, I know how much we all appreciate you, and also for spending the time with us revisiting something from so long ago. So Thank you for inviting me. It's really one of the great, um, wonderful pleasures of my life that I had the privilege of playing Cindy Walsh. And as a matter of fact, it's why I'm writing this book, because the guy and I connected because he was a fan of the show. He's a psychologist. We, we met, we started talking, uh, we developed a book a proposal and submitted it to the American Psychological Association and we're almost done. So, Amazing. and I owe it all to 90210, which is kind of mind blowing. Um, You're gonna have that chapter about the neurosis of television writers too, right? <laughs> Actually, I always thought it would make a great sociological study watching the actors, the kids go through those first five seasons. I mean, they were so young. I can't even imagine how they, you know, got through it. But um, watching them sort of spin out of control, and then it was like season five. Everybody sort of got back, got back on board. Is it? Oh, okay. We 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 got to come down down to earth here and um, get serious. It was Sarah, Sarah Page says we love you, Carol. We all love you, uh, and thank Thanks, you, Sarah. Thank you. Sarah saying the same thing. Thank you for doing yeah. this. Amazing. Thanks for everybody for making this night. Listen, uh, somebody said here that Wednesdays are their are their favorite night now. So uh, mine as well. <laughs> I look forward to when because we do the podcast on Wednesdays, so uh, I can't stop my Wednesdays, and I'm so excited to see where we're we're going to go next. But I think we rock this. Uh, the last thing I'm going to ask you, uh, Carol, is um, somebody mentioned it. Do you want to share a Luke story to end us out to to sort of walk away on this episode? Oh. 
uh, you got to play with him and work with him for a, a, a long time. Uh, anything that you want to say about your experience working with Luke? I adored Luke. Um, yeah, he, uh, one of the first things, I don't know, when some, some conversation we were having when, you know, things were going pretty well. And I, I asked him something like, well, so, you know, what are you going to do with uh, all this money you're making? And he said, oh, I'm going to buy my dad a truck. Oh, I thought, oh my God, this kid, he's so grounded. And it was so clear from the stories they told at his um, memorial, what a, what a grounded, genuine human being he was. And I always had a terrible crush on him, I must confess. Nice. We did flirt a little bit. Well, he was, a, he was older than the other cast members, too, mostly. He was one of the older. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I think it goes without saying when we watch these Val episodes and you see those two together, uh, Val is great uh, because of the partner in the room, too. You know, Luke Perry Absolutely. is phenomenal talent. So this is a great arc for him. This this whole, you know, the losing the money and what it did to him. That was he, he really came out on that. Yeah, one. This is, I, I made it real. This was this was all about this. This was defines my fifth season was just getting the Luke story down and getting to the dreams of Dylan McKay. That was it. After that, it was like, okay, are we still making the show? Oh yeah. We got <laughs> 17 more to do. We have about 40 episodes to go. <laughs> that was, yeah, no, it was fifth season, first 13, first seven. We see what, what Tiffany did, but that's, that's until that period of time, it was about Luke. Yeah, absolutely. Hey guys, thanks so much for Please. doing this. Yeah, announce the details for our oh, contest. Right. Hold up, go ahead, go ahead. We have a little okay. contest that we're going. So, go ahead. Yep. Yes, <clears throat> contest for one lucky winner to join us on our May twentieth show. Um, you can go to our Instagram page, Beverly Hills nine hundred two one zero show, for all the details. But basically, you have to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts in order to enter. Uh, follow us on Instagram. And share a screenshot of your review to your Instagram story and tag us. And we're going to choose one winner at random on May 19th at 5 p.m. Pacific. And you must be available for the May 20th recording. Yeah, so you'll get a chance to join us here. We'll give you the code and all that. Listen, guys, the five-star reviews are so helpful to... uh, putting positioning us in iTunes and all that. So uh, we really appreciate all of that stuff. Um, and, you know, listen, uh, we, we, we all love the comments and whatnot. So uh, keep them happy and nice. Right, Chuck? <laughs> happy and nice. A good way to go through life. Yes. <laughs> all right. And again, Beverly Hills, uh, Beverly Hills show. Not, what is it? Lily, what's our website for the store? Beverlyhillshow.com. No. Oh, for the store. Yeah. Beverly Hills 90210 showshop.com. Guys, this was great. So awesome having you all here. We'll see you back next week, Wednesday again, uh, where we're doing some Steve Sanders stuff. All right, guys. See you again, Carol. Thank Thank you you very much. So nice to see you all. With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash spoken. That's linkedin.com slash spoken. Terms and conditions apply.